if if you know if you know somebody else language and maybe they come to Element and they're not here, so uh, we we have a lady who wants to invite some of her neighbors to come, uh, but they're deaf. And so we wanted to know if there was someone who actually signed that could come maybe sit next to them and, and sign to them. But they have to be able to – I talk really fast, okay? <laughs> and so they've got to be able to be like, words. And I'm back in, right? <laughs> it's like I'm tagging out. Maybe we need two people. Be like, Whew. Anyway, so if you know somebody, let me know uh, so I can get in, maybe in touch with them or you can get in touch with them and ask them if they're willing to and then let me know because God loves Everybody, and so we want to be able to preach the gospel to everybody. And if the way to do that is to, I mean, I, I'm I'm too old to learn new tricks. I don't think I could learn sign language for the life of me. But if you want to go for it and try, we have a job for you. So there you go. Last night, my wife made me go to this uh, '70s party. We had to dress up like '70s clothes, and I don't even know what that means. So I wore like a this old Billabong jacket with like '70 colors on it and blue jeans because that's what dudes can wear in like anything. Like you go back to the old west, like a we're gonna have a western party, blue jeans and a t-shirt. I guess you got to wear boots then, but whatever. So, uh, so this morning uh, we're gonna have some people come up from the back, and if you're a mom, raise your hand. They're gonna hand something out to you. And as they do, I'm going to ask Michelle and John to come up onto the stage. This will all make sense uh, later throughout the message. Hopefully. You know, you didn't say last service. You didn't say. This is why you had the picture frames. You totally ran right over that. No, you know what you talked about. Anyway. Hey, hey, I was paying attention. Anyway, so uh, Michelle and John have an interesting story of something that happened to them in the last year. It kind of mirrors my, my wife and, and mine's story uh, and kind of what, what they went through. And so I asked them to come and share that and what you know, redemption looks like through the midst of that. And I think it's, it's very impactful. And as again, everything this morning kind of is moving in this direction of understanding what God does in our lives that's new. And I mean, that's just getting louder and louder, isn't it? This is awkward. Yeah. It gets better from here. <laughs> There's a lot of you here. We didn't think that would be the case because, like, the hardcore brunch crowd came to first and second. Here. Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Mother's Day to moms out there, especially our moms. And I guess all of you who have a mom, too. But uh, we're going to let you know right up front we are not parents, um, unless you can our dog, but that would be awkward, so we won't. But my name is Michelle, and I'll be honest, this is scarier for me to be here today. I'd be much more comfortable standing here behind a guitar. <laughs> and I'm John, and this is scary for me too, but it would be way more terrifying if I had a guitar in front of me. So, <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, we're here to do this thing. Uh, we are deacons and GC leaders here at Element, and Aaron asked us to share part of our story with you today on, on Mother's Day. Um, so if you would, please stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to be reading uh, Lamentations 3, 31 through 32. For the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for being a God who loves us unconditionally. Because life is going to go through ups and downs. And I pray that we will learn how to to trust you and find joy in life's circumstances regardless. Because you have us. And that is reason to rejoice. Amen. Please be seated. 
So moms, you're probably wondering why we passed out picture frames. I promise it will make more sense by the time we're done. And I'm sorry if you were hoping for something edible. I even got flack from the staff when I told them I wanted to give you picture frames. They were like, why not a cinnamon roll? But maybe next year. So. Dad, you'll get cinnamon rolls today. <laughs> I, got, I got you. <laughs> so trust us, you'll understand more later. So our story. Uh, John and I have been married for almost four years now. And you know the kind of unspoken proper order of life achievements, like go to school, get married, buy a house, more school in our case, travel, get a dog. But we were gradually checking off all the boxes, and it was going pretty great. And last fall, we decided we wanted to pursue another important milestone, and that was starting a family. And making that decision itself was kind of terrifying, um, because in that moment, we recognized that our lifestyle could very well change in the near future. We would have less freedom and certainly less sleep, and yet it all seemed worth it for what we could potentially gain. We've always loved kids, and we've been blessed to be able to spoil and love on our friends' children. But from my perspective, I was confronted with the truth that I'm not in control in a very tangible way. Because after all, we couldn't plan when we would have a child like going to grad school or going on a trip. Even the very idea of sharing our desire to start a family with those close to us seemed risky to some extent because none of us would know the timeline for that. What if it didn't happen for us? Or what if it took a really long time? What if we failed? For me, I was more excited at the thought of being able to give my parents an answer to their ever-asked question. (laughs) When are you going to have kids? We're not getting any younger. Um, I think that question started like right after we said I do. (laughs) But in all seriousness, once me and Michelle started thinking about kids, I quickly realized that was one of the deepest desires of of my heart. I wanted to be a father. I envisioned creating a loving and fun environment for for a child, just like my parents did. I envisioned playing basketball, um, watching Laker games, going hiking um, with my family. And that was something that I wanted more than anything. So you can probably understand then how excited we were when we got pregnant very quickly in November of last year. And I remember just how shocked we were. We were amazed that God would relieve our fears of this possibly long, difficult journey. And he granted us the gift of a child. And our minds were reeling from day one. We immediately started hoping and planning and dreaming and imagining what our life would look like with the addition of this little person we loved. I remember laying in bed uh, the morning Michelle told me uh, she was pregnant with complete disbelief. Uh, we, we had a conversation real brief. Should we tell our parents Thanksgiving's approaching? It would be awesome to tell them then. We lasted like 20 hours. Um, <laughs> we, we called, or actually we FaceTimed my parents, and I think my mom knew immediately because we never, never FaceTimed. And it just, our joy was overflowing, and then we did the same with my sister. Mm-hmm. And I remember we drove to my parents' house to tell them and my sister. It was just... Surreal. Uh, everything changed so quickly. I immediately became aware of how completely unprepared I was for fatherhood. Um, I struggled with laundry, doing dishes. Um, I mean, that list could go on and on <laughs> and on. Um, but in reality, how was I going to take care of this child? 
I felt like pregnancy changed me in an instant. Maybe it was just the hormones, but I was this anxiety-ridden mess. And yes, I was elated, but I also felt so protective of the baby that was growing inside me. And I was worried about its health and well-being. I remember praying constantly for a healthy pregnancy. And in a moment of desperation, I'd even started this devotional on fear to try and find encouragement and reassurance in Scripture. Our baby hadn't even been born yet, and I could understand already why I had nearly given my mom multiple heart attacks over the years. So sorry, Mom. So we decided to share the news of our pregnancy with our closest friends, family, and also our gospel community. Uh, because they knew our fears and insecurities about even conceiving, um, we wanted their prayers as we walked along this journey with them. And I remember that night vividly. It was such a beautiful celebration um, because our gospel community is really like our extended family. Um, I specifically remember praying as a group that God would keep our baby safe, that it would have a long and healthy life. So the next morning after John shared that prayer with RGC, and I can remember sitting right next to him when he did, Um, our worst fears came true. So I started spotting, and I knew I was miscarrying pretty much immediately because all of my symptoms were gone. And doctor's tests later confirmed that we had lost the baby, and we were just devastated in this really profound way. And even now, I feel like words can't really express the ache that we felt then um, at the loss of our child, and even now. And this was a child that we only knew about for a week. So for those of you who have lost children, I just wanted to say our hearts go out to you. We're so sorry. Despite what doctors told us about it being a natural event and quoting statistics about how common it was in pregnancy, we just knew that it wasn't a natural thing that God ever intended. Everything about it felt really cruel and unjust. And I personally was just horrified that I couldn't stop it or do anything to help save our baby. I I felt complicit watching my body go through the process. And I'm sure those of you women that have experienced miscarriage can relate. This was, without doubt, the hardest day of my life. I have never been more aware of how incredibly powerless I am. I watched as all my dreams of of fatherhood started to slip away. Uh, Professionally, I'm a a therapist, and I do my best to try and comfort people who are going through intense suffering in their lives. But I could do, I couldn't do anything during this. I couldn't say anything that would take away the pain. I couldn't bring our baby back to life. My words were empty. My hurt was real. Our hurt was real. So the months that followed were a blur for me. Um, It felt ironic to celebrate the holidays, especially Advent, uh, in the midst of our grief. My sorrow and shame often drove me to isolation. And yet we were in the most wonderful time of the year with all these social gatherings and parties. And really, I just wanted to be alone and grieve. The oftentimes awkward responses from others would just amplify my frustration. And I can realize now, looking back, how ashamed I was. Um, I really struggled with this sense of inadequacy. And I felt as if I had failed. And I couldn't stand to be around others or bear their gaze. Uh, During this season, 
I was working in an agency called Calm, um, which allowed me to work with zero to five-year-olds and their their families. And most my clients were subject to very extreme abuse by their parents, physical, sexual, emotional neglect. Um, and so each day was torture. Um, I would work with these beautiful, amazing, loving children. And I remember each day asking God why these people got to be parents and not me and Michelle. Didn't we do everything right? We were checking all the boxes. Didn't he know how much we would love and take care of our child? But sometimes God's plan for our life is very different than the picture we paint. And this was one of those times. As I continued to grieve and process, I was really alarmed at what was revealed in my heart. I was angry, bitter, anxious, envious, uh, all these traits I just hated in myself. I continually rehashed uh, what I could have done differently during pregnancy. Is there anything I could have done to prevent the loss? A friend's pregnancy announcement stung and hurt, and I was faced with the question constantly, what if we never get pregnant again? I noticed how hard it was for me to share another's joy and to be fully present. I was really just consumed by my own grief and obsessed with this preoccupation over a child in our future. But in a sobering moment, I realized that these traits were not just byproducts of a sad circumstance. This was really my heart when I just didn't get my way, and it was exposed by the reality of our suffering. But please, um, don't get me wrong. I know there are stages to grief, and I know I experienced them and still am to some extent. And I do believe we're allowed to explore the depths of grief as we wrestle with those emotions of anger and frustration and fear. But I know that for me, there was this point where I couldn't justify my attitude or behavior any longer. My greatest desire in all of life was fertility and pregnancy, and it was just blinding me to every other aspect of my life. It had become an idol. So John and I are part of a ministry here at Element called Redemption Groups. You guys may have heard a little bit about it. And it's truly been a life-changing experience for us. Uh, Redemption Groups are designed to help participants better understand their story as part of God's overarching story of redemption. And helps them understand how he has saved us from our sin and suffering. We just completed our third round last month as a church. And I can't tell you how great it was for us to go through it personally, uh, just in this season of our lives. So I've read the book um, that we go through in Redemption Groups called Redemption by Mike Wilkerson four or five times now. And I love it more and more each time. And I wanted to share this quote with you from Wilkerson about faith. Faith is about evidence. If our primary evidence that God is at work is based on our circumstances, then our faith is strained when we are blindsided by circumstances that fail to meet our expectations. God's picture of redemption is not always the one we've imagined. Yeah, that pretty much summed up where I was at that point. So why are we sharing the story with you on Mother's Day? It's not to depress you or make you cry. Really, um, there's a lot more to it than that. God has shown us a few things that we wanted to share with you moms, and actually in reality, everyone in this room. For one, we hope it's a reminder that life is a precious gift. We have come to understand that more profoundly than ever since the miscarriage. 
But as we thought about speaking to you today, our focus shifted from more and more away from the struggle of fertility and the miscarriage and more into trusting the goodness of God when life's circumstances do not go your way. Does any aspect of your life look different than how you envisioned it? The fact is that each of us are faced with struggles each and every day, and oftentimes our life falls short of our ideal or dream. Michelle mentioned redemption groups, and we've seen intense suffering through these groups. We've seen people who are struggling with their marriage, wrestling with um, reckless behavior of others that have hurt them, their own, their own sin that continues to hurt them, and many more. But ultimately, it's not natural. And sin reminds us each and every day that life is not as it should be. And what do we do with that? To me, one of the things that helps me answer this question is turning to scripture, and it brings so much comfort to know that the God of the universe is present in our suffering, and he grieves with us. Scripture is filled with examples of God hearing the cries of his people and moving towards them. Um, The story of the Exodus, which is what Redemption Group tracks, um, really highlights this. So here, God's people are justly exploited, abused, but God hears their cries. So Exodus 2, 23 through 25 says this. The people of Israel groaned because of their slavery, and they cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Sometimes it's easy to assume, because there's evil in the world, that our God is passive and ambivalent at best. But that is a lie. He is active, and he continues to redeem us. We must remember his character as he has revealed it time and time again throughout scripture, that his heart breaks over sin and the brokenness we are all subject to. He sees and knows you. He can take our anger, hurt, frustrations, disappointment. He is larger than that. A great example of this is Jesus, the Son of God, crying out in agony while on the cross. But yet, we are often guilty of hiding our pain or not facing it honestly before God. When we cry out to him, though, we open our hearts in an act of vulnerability, and we allow God to start the healing process. As a church that emphasizes gospel community, We need to not just have these honest conversations with God, but with others. It is in those conversations that we are both challenged and encouraged. Well, I felt like I was able to grieve with God and with John and with others in my life. I still really struggled with this deep skepticism over God's plan for me. I felt God's love and his compassion in response to my sorrow, but to my dismay, I didn't get any clear answers about whether a child would be in our future, and if so, what was the timeline like? 
I was so fixated on having a child that I couldn't possibly imagine a future without one that could be good or significant. I started to lose hope in the picture that I had envisioned for myself. But over time, God really softened my heart uh, through his word and the wisdom of godly people in my life that I'm so grateful for. When I frantically scoured the internet for timelines and statistics after miscarriage, I was reminded that he alone is the giver of life. And when I envied those around me, this is hard. (laughs) When I envied those around me, I was reminded that this is a gift of us having this season where our family is just the two of us. But most importantly, God reminded me that he is truly good. And if he's good, then his plans for me and for us are good. And those are better than anything that we could conceive. I'd assumed that I knew what's best for my life, but really I'm in no position to make that call because God alone is the author of our stories and he determines what is best. So John and I had joked about sharing Romans 8.28 as part of this message only because it's so often abused and misunderstood. And the verse goes, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Now some have read this and thought, Oh sweet, whatever I want, God's going to make it happen. But that's not true. This verse only makes sense when we know the answer to the question, Who defines what is good? And certainly not us. We can see that as early as Genesis 1, it's God who says what is good. And it's interesting that immediately before Romans 8.28, Paul talks about the Spirit helping us in our weakness, as if he assumes we're going to struggle with impatience and understanding God's definition of good. Aaron gave a sermon a while back as part of the Acts series um, about change. Do we really want to change, or do we just want our circumstances to change? And that one really hit me pretty hard. My prayers over time have shifted um, from begging for a child to asking him to help me accept the story that he's written for me, especially when the realities of life do not line up with my own desires. When I'm weak and I need him to remind me that he will not put me to shame, because he will not put us to shame. Another quote I love from Redemption is, Like Jesus, our hope in God must extend beyond the desire for relief from present suffering to a deeper ultimate relief. While it is not wrong to ask God to change our circumstances, our hope must remain in him whether he changes them or not. Those are challenging words. I know that if we do have a baby in the future, I am still going to be prone to discontent and worry when we're confronted by another one of life's inevitable challenges. Our only hope for lasting joy is trusting in Jesus. And I'm so thankful that God has forgiven me of my idolatry and that he's the same good and loving God each day. And I want to remind and encourage you all that we always have the opportunity to turn from our idols and back to him. He's been chipping away at my fears and insecurities about the future. And instead, he's building my trust in him. As 2 Timothy 2.13 says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. And this is reason to rejoice. While our world may seem turned upside down by stuff that blindsided us, God is not shaken, and he is the one in control. One of my favorite verses in scripture is Philippians 4.4, 4, 
It is a simple but radically profound verse. It reads, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. It's that word always. (laughs) It's hard. Rejoice in the midst of your worst grief. Rejoice. When life does not go your way, rejoice. Because our God is active in redeeming us. And we could rest in the fact that we are in the hands of the most capable and good God. And because of that, we do not have to be afraid. Like Michelle, um, God has replaced my fear and sorrow with hope. The pain we experienced is still fresh and present in our lives, but it no longer defines us. We are defined by Christ and his radical love towards us. He's not surprised by life's circumstances. He owns us, he cares for us, and he knows us. And through that, we can rejoice. It's true. Um, I can't tell you how often I thought about how great it would be at the end of this message to announce we're pregnant, but we're not. And the reality of life right now is that my body's still healing, and for whatever reason, now is not the right time. But I've been reminded through this that us being pregnant is not the good ending to our story. The good ending is that Jesus is on the throne, and he loves us, and he walks with us each day. So I promised you guys that we'd explain about the picture frames. So I want to show you a photo that is really precious to me, but also very bittersweet. (laughs) So I took this photo the day we found out we were pregnant. And I love John's expression. That's our dog, Bowie. I love his expression, too. (laughs) And it became extremely painful to look at this photo um, after the miscarriage, as you can probably imagine. And there were times where I was tempted to get rid of it forever. But I'm so glad I didn't, because this photo reminds me of what an amazing short season of our lives that was. And I am incredibly grateful for that, even today. You guys, God is under no obligation to explain the terms and conditions of what he gives us. And I would encourage you all to reflect on and treasure those gifts that he's given you out of his goodness and grace. So that's the inside of the picture frame. But secondly, we want to remember that God alone writes and knows your story. What we see is just the smallest part of our story, but we tend to take ownership for it. But it's not ours. God sees the entire story when we cannot, in all of its grandeur, outside of the frame. We can trust that he is active, actively at work in our life, guiding our steps. Because we are never left to face the storm alone. So our question for you is, are you going to be able to surrender what you want for your life and accept his? Will he be enough for you when life inevitably disappoints? Mom, we, moms, we want to thank you for what you do. The role you've been given is a difficult one and frustrating at times. And maybe that's not the picture that you've painted for yourselves. But still, I would challenge you to remember that your story is not about you. And it's not even about your children either. 
Even so, life is a gift, and we encourage you to continually ask God for a heart that um, embraces your calling as a mother. As we learned in our very short parenting experience, we can be tempted to believe that our children's lives are in our hands, but that's not true. We hope that you remember that the same good God in control of your life is the same one that's authoring your children's stories. Treasure your time with your kids and remind them of who God is. So while the music plays, um, John and I are going to be in the back, and we would love to pray with you, whether life is difficult for you right now, or you're struggling to trust God, or maybe you just want to know more about who he is. We're there, and we would love to pray with you. And as we take communion, we remember that while there is brokenness in the world we face, Jesus has overcome it through his death and resurrection. And through his victory, we find peace because we know the ultimate outcome. He's won and rescued us, and he's with us always. So as you break the cracker and dip it in the wine or the grape juice, rejoice in the fact that we know who God is. He is good, victorious, and trustworthy. The band's going to come up. So as Michelle said... um... It is not our story. Our story is just a small piece of it. It is essential to remember that it is God's story, and he has us, and he is good. And through life struggles and uncertainties, we still have the ability to rejoice. Because he is with us. He is wiping away our tears, and each and every day we could walk in more and more faith and hope that we will be restored. We are so thankful because God has given us so much. And because of the love that God has given us, we freely give. It's important to remember that God is here through your highs and your lows, and he is the author and perfecter of your faith and your story. It doesn't end in heartbreak and ends in joy. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for being a God who walks with us. That you have given us blessings and taken them away, but we could still say, blessed be your name. Father, your goodness continues to surprise me even when life does not look like I want it to. Father, I pray that all of us learn how to more deeply and fully trust in your plan and your providence. Because we don't have to be afraid because you have us and nothing can take us away from you. Thank you for all you have given us. In your name.